0: It's a brilliant hymn, isn't it? Uh, Jesus, lover of my soul. May we go to him tonight if you're not a Christian. But my text this evening is taken from this song in Isaiah 61, verse 10. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. A real robe. uh, That's my uh, theme, if you like, coming from those verses. A real robe. And what we have in this chapter is almost like a wedding photograph album from the future. But open the cover, uh, we see this future wedding, and those included in the wedding album are those who are happy in their best clothes. I'm using an illustration, okay? (laughs) This is a vision of what one commentator calls the ultimate salvation. The ultimate salvation. Isaiah's looking forward to a time of future blessing. But let's look at the text. Who is actually speaking here? That's the question that came to my mind uh, when when I look at this chapter. Well, Turn to verse one. When, when Am I still here? Yeah. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed anointed notice me to preach good tidings to the poor. Does that ring any bells with you tonight? you'll remember in luke 4 when christ enters the synagogue do you remember he's in his home patch these are a mixed blessing aren't they (laughs) he's in his home patch christ enters the synagogue and the scroll is handed to him and he opens the scroll and he reads those verses from isaiah 61 but he stops at verse 2 in luke chapter 4 why because the lord jesus christ has come as savior and not as judge so it's obvious from these verses the from from isaiah 61 all the way through to 62 6 that the speaker is none other than the the anointed one the servant Messiah, Messiah. But you're thinking, but hang on, isn't that my testimony there in verse 10? Isn't that what I have been clothed in with a robe of righteousness and the garments of salvation? Bear with me. (laughs) So he is the one who is full of joy in verse 10. Think of that wedding. And a bridegroom on his wedding day gets ready he's wearing those clothes and he can't wait to marry his bride notice in verse 10 my soul shall be joyful in my god he's excited the bridegroom wants this object of righteousness and praise in verse 11 to be adorned to be lifted who is this object of righteousness and praise look at 62 and For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. He tells us that this is his church, his bride. This is a story of a marriage between the bridegroom and the bride. And the song climaxes in verse 5 of chapter 62. Notice, and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride... So shall your God rejoice over you. So the language here is one of weddings, of bridegrooms and brides. But let's look a bit closer at verse 10. Notice that there the Lord clothes the anointed Messiah in garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness But then in 62, he then is making her righteous, his bride. He's righteous. Now she's righteous. How can that be? Do you see where I'm going here? Martin Luther rediscovered these big truths in the early 1500s where God... Uh, saves sinners like we heard this morning wicked people but how can god call the wicked filthy people to be righteous it's in these verses you see hidden in the language of the old testament luther when he was writing thought that the best way of talking about the gospel was using the language of marriage of weddings there's nothing better than a good marriage is there I'm sure many of you can say amen to that and Luther when he was writing about these things he imagined God as this king a rich king who uh, was wealthy and he marries a poor girl who's of ill repute who's actually a prostitute. She's filthy. This is how Luther imagines the gospel. And when they marry, when he meets her, when they marry, he takes her as his own and he says, all that I have, I now give to you. That's what's going on here. All that I have, I now give to you. We give to Christ our sins, our unrighteousness, all our folly, all our death, our judgment, and he freely gives to us his love, his righteousness, and blessedness, just like a married couple. And because of that great exchange, we can now say, with verse 10, he has clothed me. He has clothed me. He has covered me. That can be your testimony Tonight, So, in these chapters, we're introduced to Christ, the Redeemer of the Covenant, the great bridegroom, lover of our soul, who, who, who redeems for himself a covered people, okay? A covered people and a clothed people. And why are they covered and why are they beautiful? Well, Romans 3.22 tells us that we've been, we've had this robe of righteousness confer to us from the outside this is not my own goodness not my own righteous we have a saviour who clothes a saviour who covers this language might all seem strange to you tonight marriages and covering and robes so very simply i want to ex- zoom in on verse 10 and look in particular on this idea of clothing clothing And your need of a clothing, clothing, for covering, rather, firstly. Then we're going to look at the one who sees to it, who sees to your clothing and your covering. And finally, we're going to just look briefly at the joy of the covered and the clothed, okay? So, first of all, the need for this covering, this clothing that's alluded to in Isaiah 61, yeah, no, will tell you that I have a lot of books, <laughs> not just theological books, which can be somewhat problematic in our little terrace house, but I enjoy reading folklore and all, all sorts of things. And I have one whole row uh, devoted to stories from around the world, you know, mythology and that kind of thing. And... Um, what I notice in these volumes when I'm going through them is how often cloaks come up magical cloaks. In German mythology you have a, a swan cloak. In Norse you have the feathered cloak of Freya. And even in Welsh mythology, you might know or not know this, you have this cloak of invisibility, which may be more familiar to you if you like Lord the Rings. As the hobbits are covered from danger with it. And, you know, I'm told that even in Harry Potter, that this, this chap has this cloak, apparently, that covers him from death or hides him from death. So culture from all around the world has always been fascinated by this idea of a special cloak or a robe. A garb that even hides or my sin or death amazing objects in these stories but they're not true are they they're not true they're not real they're fantasy they're made up but the robe of righteousness is isn't a physical garment which can be bought or earned this is something spiritual and very real tonight it's something very real which many of us here are wearing you see because of it we can rejoice because it's a real saving from death a real covering from the darkness as it were because the story of this robe of righteousness starts way back in the beginning in the garden of eden you knew i would be going here scripture teaches us that we are spiritually naked and that we're terrible tailors i don't know if you've noticed that in the first few chapters now I'm aware that this chapter in Isaiah is talking about a collective people but we know from scripture that in their natural state we are not righteous we are naked nobody is righteous and in paradise that garden of Eden you know it existed because deep down something inside of you yearns after a garden. That place where you walked alongside God as it were. That sense of peace. It's in all of us. That, that yearning for that land. Where God is amongst his people again. You see this is history as well as real life tragedy. In creation we were naked and in shame. But something drastic Happened in Genesis chapter 3. We read how humanity's first disobedience. First disobedience triggered a need for covering. A need for covering. The fruits. Their first act. Do you remember verse 7 of Genesis 3? Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Here's the terrible tale a bit. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. What does that even mean? Well, sin, the three letter word we heard about this morning entered the world. Adam and Eve, you and I are suddenly, we have a profound desire to hide, don't we? A profound desire to hide a need from for a covering and from that moment of to today we've been in this one big hide-and-seek game rsi sprawl calls us cosmic fugitives on the run is that you this evening on the run from the lord god you know that you're naked You know deep down that your sins are dangerous. For the wages of sin is death. You need covering. Because you're a sinner. Oh nobody knows you say about what I did last week. God knows. And even those things that we should have done. God knows. And the skeletons mount up in our closets don't they? God knows. And he comes walking in the garden doesn't he? This has happened to many of us and he says he comes knocking where are you and we're ashamed oh they'd had a feeble attempt to cover themselves didn't they Sew so in those fig i don't know if you've ever seen fig leaves a bit pathetic uh so in fig leaves together they were covering their nakedness things weren't the same anymore between them and the lord the, the way I think about it is imagine, God forbid, in any of your lives, if, if, you, if, if there was something between you and a spouse, some terrible sin had crept in or something, they can't look at each other in their eyes. That's the first sign, isn't it? Guilt. You can imagine Adam and Eve in that garden, hiding, naked. A deathly silence as the footsteps come in the glade. They used to be excited when the Lord God was there, and now they just hid. There's a retreat mechanism, and it's passed on from Adam and Eve down to you, even tonight. And what happens next? Well, God says to them, Who told you that you were naked? what follows is a curse which is placed upon all things and upon everyone things are bleak things seem hopeless and in Isaiah 60 we're told that only the righteous or redeemed will be able to go to heaven things are hopeless because we're all naked by nature and the Bible teaches us there is a life after death don't think that it's a myth there's two destinations no purgatory no second chance, heaven or hell. the righteous or the unrighteous, as it were, the covered or the naked. Where do you going tonight? I wouldn't be up here if this wasn't real. I wouldn't be up here. But in these chapters there's a real promise of redemption, isn't there? There's a real promise that even though we're naked, even though we can't cover our sin and we can't sort our consciences out, there's an answer, isn't there? And those of us who are Christians know that God, secondly, sees to it. God sees to it. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sorts things out, is the better translation. In Isaiah, the prophet described Israel's beauty. She wears the righteous garments that God has provided for her. We can't make our own righteousness tonight, brothers and sisters, just like those fake leaves. No good. Thankfully, God sets forth a template in Eden that he covers you. He clothes you. Oh, we give him everything that stinks. He takes our sin and he clothes us in righteousness. God acts, doesn't he, in Eden. Before sending them out into the world, we are told in verse 21 of a beautiful act of God, the Lord sees to their nakedness. The Lord sees to their nakedness. The Lord clothes them. I remember David Morris preaching about the tailor in the garden. It's a wonderful image. How would that have occurred? There would have been a death because they were skins. There would have been blood. Can you imagine the shock on their faces when an animal was killed before them and skinned in order to cover them? This isn't spelled out in scripture, but we can imagine, can't we? Oh, the careful manufacture of these clothes. There's a price to pay for your sin brothers and sisters it requires blood later in history the israelites would be taught about the blood on the doors that would keep them safe from death and then in the desert yom kippur the day of atonement blood again a disinfecting blood not outwardly but symbolizing something that must occur within all of this was pointing to something bigger to something bigger you see the covering in the garden was just the garment it pointed to something bigger and in the old testament we're we in uh, we're excited with the prophet aren't we in the beginning of isaiah he was looking for hope he talks about a people we're coming to christmas soon aren't we dwelling in darkness Not only that, but they walk in darkness, don't they, Isaiah 9? And these Jews were beaten by the oppressor's rod. The footsteps of marching boots was always echoing in their ears. They were in darkness. And then Isaiah, it became clear that his vision of the people's geographical exile and bondage in Babylon was only the outward shell of a deeper exile something deeper than needed dealing with this kind of deliverance requires this wonderful concept of atonement it requires covering just like the slaughtered lamb was necessary in egypt of old bringing you out of darkness as it were that hiding place from god requires blood covering that sin requires blood A price had to be paid. And Isaiah saw beyond that darkness, didn't he? He saw beyond that darkness. Uh, Isaiah, A light comes through in the prophecy. That light was a man. But he was also God. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. Do you remember? Emmanuel. God with us. The barren chaos of the virgin's womb would be a miracle sight. Light would burst into the darkness. But Isaiah wants to know more about this God, doesn't he? And his, in his mercy, God spells it out for him. Do you remember? Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. And then we come to 61. I'm rushing through here. The servant of the Lord steps into the narrative. This shadowy figure has a special, unique relationship with God. He's the one in whom all of God's covenant promises are embodied. His whole life is obedience, Yet he suffers terribly. I gave my back to those who strike. And my cheeks to those who pull my beard, I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Can it be that the same figure, this Emmanuel, is also the suffering servant? Surely he has borne our griefs. You see, it's starting to click with Isaiah surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted how can this be? how can this be? Isaiah seems puzzled but then he sees it do you remember what I'm going to say next? he was wounded for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace with his stripes we are healed the lord has His laid on him the iniquity of us all Emmanuel, the light of the world would also be the suffering servant the clothing would not be cheap it would cost so much oh oh you have a great need this evening because the bible says that by nature we are we don't have that cloak i've righteousnesses are as filthy rags but we were thinking this morning weren't we of christ lifted up naked and it dawned on me this afternoon he was naked so i could be clothed Have you ever thought about that? My sin, oh, the bliss of that glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to that cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. You have a great need this evening. You're naked spiritually, but we have someone who gives us his righteousness takes our sin upon himself and gives us his righteousness but finally then the joy of it's where uh, if you haven't understood all any of that it's a bit of a bit of a whistle top tour uh, last winter i was on a hillside in the alps and a woman i, w- I was skiing yes I, I do ski as well as play rugby <laughs> And a woman was lying in front of me on the hillside, blood everywhere. And as I got closer, I thought, I know that woman, it's my mother. And um, she'd fallen, she'd been battered, and her blood pressure was dropping, and before we knew it, her oxygen levels were dropping, and there was a helicopter there. Uh, In the meantime, Dad had gone to get a helicopter and I can remember, it's quite an experience when a helicopter comes. I was on the floor screaming. <laughs> and the snow is flying in my face. And I remember at the corner of my eye seeing the medic jump out of the helicopter. And wrapping ma'am, taking my coat away. And wrapping ma'am in a silver uh, thermal thing. And a lovely moment, she takes her own warm padded goose down jacket she takes it off and she puts it round ma'am oh, that's a picture my friend isn't it of this robe that we have oh believe on the lord jesus christ and you can be covered you can be wrapped around with that robe of righteousness Believe on him, for he, like that ancient hymn, says, is my hiding place. Do you remember it, Jesus? Thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress. The next bit's important, mid flaming worlds in these arrayed, shall I lift up my head? Are you covered tonight? Are you clothed? Are you covered? Are you clothed? the hymn is overwhelmed with this thought that jesus just like the animal in antiquity is sacrificed in order to cover adam and eve just like the lamb who repelled uh, the blood of the lamb that repelled the angel of death in goshen so too that if we are covered in his blood bold can i stand in that great day you shall be saved, you know. Are you saved this evening? You see, when I stand before a holy God and I think about my life, what we have with the gospel, the Lord doesn't see my iniquity anymore and all my sin. He says, Nathan Monday, that Welshman, nothing in himself. This one, this one, the Lord steps in and says, I have him covered I have him covered. Is that your testimony tonight? Will you be there in that glorious wedding at the end of the Bible? When we'll be face to face with the lamb robed in righteousness. Will you be there? I really hope you'll be there. Because it's a tragedy. Because when you come to die, it'll be too late to be covered by that robe. It'll be too late to say, oh, I, I, I heard about it. But I never went to him and believed. I'll finish with our excerpt from Pilgrim's Progress, which is my story and the story of many in this room. He comes to the foot of the cross, doesn't he? Then was Christian glad and lightsome. Is this your story? And he said with a merry heart, he hath given me rest by his sorrow. And life by his death then he stood still a while to look and wonder for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden he looked therefore and looked again and again even till the springs that were in his head sent the waters down his cheeks now as he stood looking and weeping behold three shining ones came to him and saluted him with peace be to thee so the first said to him thy sins be forgiven the second stripped him of his rags and clothed him with change of raiment the third also set a mark in his forehead and gave him a roll with a seal upon it which he bid him look on as he ran and that he should give it in at the celestial gates will you be there will you be there wrapped in christ's righteousness which is not our own oh may you be in be found in him tonight and if you forget everything i've said think about that wonderful image of the medic giving his own coat to my mother is that your story? Don't trust in your own works. Don't trust in your attendance at the heath. Don't trust in your mam or your dad's faith. Go to Him today, just as I am, just as you are, naked. Come to Thee for dress. Helpless. Come to Thee for rest. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Saviour, or I die for His name's sake. Amen lord uh, should we just pray lord god we're dealing with big things tonight and lord uh, we are weak in our in the way we, that we are but oh lord we thank you for the promise of covering thank you for the promise of clothing us that lord we can stand boldly at that last day bold in him in him none but christ can satisfy none other name for me there's life, there's love, there's lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. For your name's sake. Amen. We'll conclude our time together now by singing uh, hymn number 604. 604, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. Joy uh, from... I can't remember the words... Sorry. Hymn number 604. Lord we're so excited for that great day when we will see Jesus Christ once again our dear Lord the lover of our souls oh God if there's anyone here who is a stranger to grace and to God oh may they be wooed, even by a word by a hymn by a reading even by the sermon oh may they be in him may they be found in you even tonight oh God forgive our weakness Forgive that we so often stray to the left and to the right. And yet, Lord, none but Jesus, none but Jesus can do helpless sinners good. O God, may we all reflect something of his light and his friendship and his love in our day-to-day lives. And now, may may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.